Well, good evening. God is good, isn't he? And it's always good to be in the presence of the Lord. Um, it's good to be here. It's, it's been a good day. It's just uh, uh, to be able to be here at, uh, at a church uh, that is on the move, that's very active uh, in expressing love to uh, uh, just to our community and then those communities that are in great need and to see the response of Victory Church. Uh, it's just a, it's an amazing thing. It's something that you really enjoy being a part of. And, and I'm glad that I'm here at Victory Church. How many of you are glad that you worship at Victory Church? Uh, I, I know that you are. I got to tell you that we're just uh, weeks away uh, from welcoming back uh, many of our uh, many of our northern friends who will begin to kind of flood the roads and the streets uh, of our communities. Uh, they're on our way. Many of them right now tonight are uh, uh, online. They're watching, uh, watching the service. Uh, will you help me in showing great love and appreciation to say, come on back, come on home. Let's put our hands together. Let's welcome them. And anyone else that may be watching the live feed, we want to say welcome to Victory Church. Thank you for being here. Uh, of course, the title of tonight's message is, um, Who's the Greatest? Uh, we're in the month of October, and in the month of October, uh, Major League Baseball wraps up. I, I don't know how many of you remember that uh, in the month of October, there was a uh, Major League Baseball player by the name of uh, Reggie Jackson, and he was referred to as what? Mr. October. Uh, and the story is that uh, many times he was in the World Series, his team was uh, competing for that championship, and you just knew that whenever Reggie Jackson got up to uh, the plate for his next bat, that it, would, it could possibly be a home run, could possibly be a grand slam, and many times he delivered and just uh, sent the ball out of the ballpark, and he was known uh, for being a great Major League Baseball player. Uh, right now, we're also in, in the football season, uh, college football season, and uh, up until uh, last weekend, there were a lot of teams that were really uh, pursuing greatness, uh, but things, the wheels began to come off, and now things have changed. Uh, and I'm not really referring to any football team. Um, may, maybe I am. How many of you would just raise your hands right now and kind of lift them in that direction, and let's pray. But pursuing greatness, who's great? I mean, when I think of greatness, I think of, of Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, one of the greatest Olympians, not only a great a swimmer. Guys, you can put that up on the screen. It, 23 gold medals. 23 gold medals. Man, it, I look at that physique and I'm like, you know. <laughs> Greatness. Nowhere close. I'm good with the doggy paddle, man. Michael Phelps, what, did, what, is, it that, what is it that he had to do? What was prohibiting, prohibiting him from being great? When you look about what does it take to be great, what does it take to, be, uh, to achieve greatness, and you look at Michael Phelps, and you can start with his diet. When you look at the diet of Michael Phelps, here it is. When you look at the breakfast, this is every day. This is what he would consume and you talk about greatness in, in order to pursue it, 
in three fried egg sandwiches with a lot of cheese. I mean, if you're going to hand out gold medals, go ahead. I'm in the running. I can hang with Michael Phelps at this point. Three, the fried egg sandwiches, lunch, a pound of pasta, energy drinks, dinner, large pizza, and a pound of pasta uh, to keep him going, to keep the fuel in his body to go. And then when we look at, when we look out at his workout routine, and swimming workout just to warm up. You see the six workout sets of 50, free, sidekick, continue on. And what, what happens whenever he gets into the main workout? This is just, just the warm-up. And he continues the 20 by 100 and the 500 strokes and the 50 kick, the 50 free. And then we continue to move. And this is early morning, the main set, 2,000 time kick strokes. I don't even know what these are, but this is what he's doing and then it gets to the end of the practice, and you would think, okay, we're done in the pool, but then let's move on to the gym. And for Michael Phelps, he's then, let's knock out three sets of 10 to 6 reps, and you guys can see, and Michael Phelps is pursuing greatness. I think that God is calling all of us as followers of Christ in our faith to pursue greatness. But there are things that whenever we look at our lives and we take an assessment that there are, there are moments, there are behaviors, there are actions that hold us back from being able to pursue greatness. And that's the question for tonight. What is, what is holding you back from greatness in your pursuit of Christ, in pursuit of developing your faith. What is, what is that? What is that holding you back? Every time you wake up in the morning, sometimes you feel like it's just the foot is just stomping down on you and you're saying, I desire for greatness, but there's something that's in my life that's holding me back from obtaining greatness. If you were to come to my home, I can tell you that there is, there is no trophy case there are no medallions. I, I don't know that I've ever been great in anything. I've never been recognized for really anything uh, that you would consider to be a great moment, a great feat in the life of Tim Blackburn. I can tell you that for, as a young kid, what did it look like in my own life? I, I struggled academically. Uh, early on as a child, my summers were spent uh, with a tutor to try to help me to be a better reader and to be better in math. That's what my summers looked like, only to return to school and for the teacher to call student after student back to quickly do kind of a reading assessment and knowing that I had just spent the summer trying to be a better reader and to know that, okay, there will be a table A for those that are above average, there will be a table B for those that are average, and then there are the, 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 the low-level readers at table C. And I can tell you, almost like it was happening yesterday, that we would go through that process. I'm in the classroom, and I desire to be great. I desire, I want to be at table A. And if I'm not at table A, God, maybe I'll be at table B. And sure enough, they would go through the process, and guess where Timmy always ended up at? At the low-level reader table. I got to tell you, even in the fifth grade, I received uh, an award from the American Legion for a paper, an essay that I had put together. I don't even remember what the essay was about. I can tell you, just like it happened yesterday again, that I'm standing on the platform as a fifth grader. I'm able to recall this, and I'm standing there thinking in my mind, surely they've made a mistake. I don't even remember the paper that I wrote, and I'm being recognized tonight 
do they have the right student on the platform? And, but yet I have a desire to be great. But there was always something in the way that was just holding me back from greatness in the classroom. You take the same, this same idea, the same thought, even, even, into, even into our household as a, as a father. I, I think that many, many men in the room, guys that are, uh, have kids, and you say that I'm a father, we desire to be great fathers. I can tell you that I, I'm not a great father. I've even missed it many times as a father, raising Taylor and Grant and Chloe. And one that sticks in my mind that I think about not often, but every now and then it pops into my mind that my son is playing baseball and I'm trying to fit one more appointment in for the day. And he's at a baseball game and I've made the commitment that I'm coming to watch him that night. And I missed his only home run and his only grand slam home run of his entire high school career. Only to arrive just moments later and to hear and trying to just muster up the excitement and, and thrilled and with great joy and say, man, I, I feel like a lousy father. I just missed my son's big moment and crushed the baseball. I think that some of you, that may be resonating with you and saying, man, I desire to be a, a great husband and a great wife, and, but yet there's, there are some of those things that are inside of my life, behaviors, actions that I desire to be great, but, but it seems to be holding me back from obtaining greatness. I think God has, has something for us tonight, and if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. When we think about and ask the question, what's holding you back from being great? If, if you turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 through 4, let me kind of set the scene that, that Jesus and his disciples are in full throttle of ministry. Uh, at, by this point, there, the 4,000 have been fed. The 5,000 have been fed. The man with the withered hand... That has been healed. Jesus walking on the water, that has happened. Jesus calming the storm, he, that has happened. And so they are in full throttle of ministry. Great things are taking place. And then we launch into the passage tonight. And it says that, and the disciples came to him and that he asked him a question, asked Jesus a question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I got to be honest with you. I don't know that my, I would have a different question or I would be in a different mindset. But the disciples are saying, man, we know things, man, are humming along. Man, people are being healed. You've told us to go and preach. And we're seeing, man, salvation, baptisms that are taking place. All of this is happening. And I got to tell you, we, we believe that we're only days away, maybe weeks, maybe months away, that we're going to rule and reign forever. We can see you, Jesus, getting ready to be elevated to your throne. And we want to rule with you. Who is the greatest in your kingdom and what they were saying is don't forget about me when your administration begins to take place and it's being formed what role will I play what will my rank be man I'm all in man greatness I want greatness and Jesus is listening to them and they're saying man I want to I want to elbow my way up I'm following you. I've committed my life to you. 
who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? When I think about greatness and the culture that we live in, the society that we live in, America, America is viewed by the rest of the world as the, still the greatest nation known to man. The land of opportunity, if we want to pursue just our dreams, we're right here. All we have to do is get up in the morning and go after it and continue to fight and elbow, way, elbow our way through and get to the top. That's, that's where we live. And that, that same idea, that same, same culture that the disciples are working with, that same mindset is here tonight and saying, man, I desire to be greatness. Uh, Jim Collins, how many of you are familiar with the great author and researcher and person in the business community has written a book called Good to Great. Good to Great, bestseller. One of those books that you'll see in corporate America passed around on bookshelves because it's just a fabulous book. I've had the opportunity to read it. And in, his, in this book, what he's doing, and he's, he's, he's speaking to companies that believe that they're great, but they're really good. They're good companies, and he's done the research, and he's put his studies together, and he's developed this book and saying, you may be good in your product, but your customer service uh, is lacking. Or you may have great customer service, but your product is lacking. The, 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 the opportunity from you, for you to be able to go from good to great, it's just moving the needle just a little bit more. And one of the illustrations that he used and tries to communicate is, imagine yourself on a bus that you're traveling along the bus and you're a good company, but yet you're wanting to become a great company. He said, if you want to see that greatness within your company, then you have to make sure that you have the right people on the right bus and make sure that they're in the right seat. Far too often, he says that good companies, they have, they have the bus and they have good people, but people are in the wrong place on the bus. And, and I'm, I'm thinking of this as I'm reading this passage of Scripture that, that Jesus is here and he's got his disciples and they're moving forward and they have a desire, man, I want to be great. I want to experience greatness. As a matter of fact, Lord, I think I'm the one that should be in the driver's seat. Matter of fact, on the bus, you know all of the good people always sit up front. And that's where I want to be. I want to be in the, the front row on the school bus. I was never up front. I was always in the back. If you're just wondering where Tim sat on the school bus, I was always in the back of the school bus. I'm not going to tell you what else Tim was doing on the bus, but we'll just leave it right there. On the school bus. And so they're having this back and forth, and he continues and Matthew writes that, and Jesus called a child over to him. And he placed the child among them. And you've got to look at Mark's account and Luke's account to realize the setting that the disciples really are arguing. Arguing, saying, you know, who is the greatest? And at that moment, Jesus brings a child into the circles of great influence, brings the child, if you will, into the boardroom, brings the child into their midst. And Jesus very easily could have and properly just pointed to himself and said, who's the greatest? You're really asking the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Come on, guys. Who is the one that fed the 4,000? 
come on, 5,000, not once, but twice, 5,000. Matter of fact, I'm the one that was walking out on the water. Listen to me, Peter, Andrew, James, you guys that were experienced fishermen on the boat and you're crying like newborn babies when the storm roared up. Who was the one that you went and, and awoke and, and said, hey, we need help. We're about to go down. I'm the greatest. But he brings a child and he shifts their attention to this child. That in, the, in their society and even in, in our society, a child represents insignificance. A child most often is, is hushed and said to go, go away. The adults are talking right now. No power, no authority, but yet he brings this child into their midst and pointing their attention and saying, listen. And he says, and listen, Truly I say to you, unless you change, unless you change and you become like children, you will never, in, you will never inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's a stiff statement. It's on the screen. It says that truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never that's, that's permanent. That's a, a strong word that Jesus is communicating and he's making a appointment. That listen, unless you change your mindset, you guys, you guys are believing and thinking right now that I'm talking about a, a temporal kingdom. What we're doing and what we're establishing will last forever and ever and ever. It is the heavens and the earth that I'm talking about. It's the work that the Father has commanded me to do. You guys have to have a change in your mindset. You have to begin to think eternity. You have to begin to make that transition. For if you're not able to make that transition... In your pursuit of greatness, you'll never inherit the kingdom of heaven. When you think about you tonight, me tonight, in our pursuit of greatness, what is it that's holding you back? As I ask that question, I know without a shadow of a doubt that that behavior, that action is popping into your mind and saying, I, I desire greatness but when he asks the question of what's holding us back, things begin to pop and say, man, what is it that's in my life? What is holding me back from being able to pursue greatness and kingdom work? What is it, what is it that's holding me back in my mind? What is that behavior, that action that needs to change even in my marriage? What is that action that needs to change, that behavior that needs to change even as a, as a parent and a grandparent and, and one that, that loves his family, but yet I know that I just need to make that slight change by the grace of God, by the help of the Lord. What is that? What is it that's holding you back from greatness? And he completes, he completes this moment right here, and he says, therefore, whoever... That whoever, right on the screen, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The lowly position that whoever humbles themselves. Listen, guys, come, in, come here. Peter, James, listen. 
You want to know about who's the greatest in the kingdom? Then you guys need to humble yourself. You need to, you need to look for the opportunities to love those that are in our community that are considered to be the unlovable. When you're out doing ministry within the communities that we serve, you need to make sure that you're embracing those that are insignificant within our community. He's calling them in saying, listen, guys, you, you want, I'm telling you what it is. You want greatness? Begin to be that low rower. You want greatness? Begin to care about the ministry that we're doing and, and not fighting for your position at the table and trying to elbow your way up and, and wondering who's going to be at my right hand. Who's going to be cast as one of the governors or a city king? Make sure that you're staying as a low rower, that you're staying humble, and that you're embracing humility. I'm, I'm thinking tonight, what if we took that same position, even within our own lives, and said, God, I desire you. I, I have changed my path. I am pursuing you. I'm a follower of Christ. But Lord, I pray, Father, for humility Lord, let me remain humble, God, as I'm out doing ministry. God, let me, let me remain humble in my own home, in my own marriage, whenever I would normally respond in a certain way. God, let me begin to change my life. Let me change my mind. And let, let, let my spouse experience the love that they deserve. God is an employer. Father, let me, let me treat my employees with dignity, not as a subject that I can just step on and, and command them to do something to the left or go to the right, but yet I see them as your creation. Let me be that employer that has humility and I remain humble. I think tonight we can, we can look at that and begin to say, what is it that I can do this week? What can I do over the, the, the next few days until we come back together on Sunday? What does that look like in your own life when you say, what is it, what is it that's keeping me from per, being able to pursue greatness? What attitude needs to change? What behavior needs to change in saying, I need to remain humble? What is it that's in my life, God, that you, you want me to kind of, kind of push out by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God to be able to remove that and allow me to live with greatness. What would our church look like? Imagine this, if we began to look and we see the opportunities with the Dream Center and first Saturdays and we really look and say, God, I want, I want to look for an opportunity to be able to serve you through what you're doing here in the community. I know that I really believe and think that my schedule's more important than what's going on at the Dream Center and I know that I've got things stacked on top of others, but God, I know that you're communicating to us month after month an opportunity to love our community right through the dream center god i know that pastor Teresa comes up and she's looking for volunteers after volunteers after volunteers to say come and serve with us god let me spend that saturday let me spend that day during the week to say man what is it that's a great way to remain humble and to know the the work that we're doing the work that really matters the eternal work when we talk about preaching the eternity, preaching that, man, the, the, the kingdom of heaven is near, that's what's happening right here on our campus and throughout our community, that we can come together and say, God, 
Let me embrace those opportunities. Let me have a desire to be great. But then also, God, let me desire, man, to remove those things that are prohibiting me from being able to pursue greatness. As the band comes back and the altar workers step forward, the altar call is very simple tonight. It's very simple. What is it? The question is, what is it that's, what is it that's keeping you from pursuing greatness? What is it that's in your life? You say, Tim, I know in order for me to be more effective in my, in my faith with God, there are some areas, there are some things that I need to kind of remove from my life. And I need to remove some of those behaviors that when we talk about real change, that I begin to look through a different lens that I'm able to say, man, what is it that, that God is identifying right now in my own mind, within my heart, that he's wanting to remove so that I can continue to press forward and continue to pursue God with great passion. So if you will, stand with me tonight as the band continues to play. That may be you. Say, Tim, I'm ready to continue to move forward. But I know that there's an, there's an area within my heart, within my life, that even as a teenager that you say, man, I need to remove that area. I pursue greatness. I desire greatness. But what's keeping me back? As a husband and wife, when you talk about greatness in your relationships, what is that that's in that relationship that you're saying, God, I need to remove that once and for all by the power and the grace from Almighty to be able to enter into a relationship that's once and for all a healthy relationship. If that's you, if that's your desire, if that's your prayer, there are people here ready to agree with you tonight to say, man, you can. You can experience greatness. Jesus didn't say there, was, there wasn't going to be greatness in the kingdom. He gave them the roadmap, though, said, if you are going to experience greatness in the kingdom of heaven, it comes first through low positions and humbling yourself. So that's our charge tonight. That's our challenge. What is it that you desire to move from your life? So as they sing, if that's, if that's speaking to you tonight, make your way to the altar. Amen. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, would you have your way in me? Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake. Come on, tell them to not have your way and have your way. Lord, I give you my heart. And Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul.
if that's your prayer let's lift our hands tonight so father we come to you lord that is our prayer have your way in us i pray now god for every man and woman that's here in the house tonight for with us even those that are watching online that if they've yet to make that decision to be a follower of christ all they have to do at this very moment when they say lord have your way in me it's a it's a prayer to ask for forgiveness for you to be restored, for God to wash away your sins. And we believe that when you say that prayer, that your sins are forgiven, that you are redeemed, and that you are a part of the family of God. So Lord, we rejoice for those that may be accepting you as their Lord and Savior right now, whether here physically with us or watching online. I pray, God, that you would begin to move and shake them, Lord, and, and have. Lord, let them know that they have a place in the kingdom. I pray now, God, that you would be with every man and woman and teenager and child that's worshiping with us tonight. Lord, as we leave this campus, I pray, God, that we would have the right mindset of pursuing you, God, that looking for real life change to take place within our hearts, within our minds, God. Let us, as we experience that change, always to remain humble and to know that there's only one that's great, and it's your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross for us. I pray now, God, that you would be with us. Bless us. Give us favor as we work back into the community. Bring us back for this weekend, Lord, ready to rejoice and to exalt you for what you're doing among the people of Victory Church. I pray now, God, that you'd watch over us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Thank you for being here. Have a great night. God bless you. Every moment I'm away.